Thank you, Joe. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. I don't have a Mother's Day sermon this morning. Um, Some of you may be thinking, what were you thinking uh, after you hear this sermon today? It doesn't have a ton to do with Mother's Day. And yet, as we learned last week, uh, wisdom comes to us in the book of Proverbs through the voice of a woman, even the voice of a mother. So maybe this isn't a message for mothers, but in a sense, a message like the message from a mother. Seek shelter. That's what the message on my phone read last Friday. After it made a hideous sound getting my attention. Seek shelter. A warning issued by the National Weather Service. Right before that, I don't know how it worked at your house, but right before that, I had already heard the tornado sirens in my neighborhood. My children also heard the sirens. They heard the alert. They knew what it said. Some of them were scared. They wondered what we should do. Dad, should we go into the basement? I grew up in western Kansas. I've heard a lot of tornado sirens in my life, and I've seen a lot of tornadoes, some of them from the vantage point of my roof. And so (laughs) when I heard the sirens, I mocked the sirens. I've never been harmed by a tornado, and I will not be harmed today. So family, all of my small children, let's just continue to watch our movie because that's what we do on Friday nights. Now, the tornado obviously didn't hit our house. We obviously weren't hurt, wasn't anywhere really close to our home, but the tornado did hit other people's homes. In first service, I was looking at a family um, that was one of the first homes to be hit. Thankfully, as they heard the warning, they sought shelter and they were safe. They were wise. I was a fool. But I'm not here to talk about what to do in a tornado next time. I'm not here to talk about smoke alarms or um, how to get out of windows when there's fires in your house. I am here to talk about something else. We may live our whole life and never personally be hit by a tornado. But friends, there is a storm coming and it will hit every single person in this room at one time or another, or should I say sooner or later. We can't hedge our bets on this coming storm. It is the storm of God's judgment. And when it hits, those who have heeded the warning and sought shelter in Jesus will be safe. Those who do not heed the warning, or should I say, those who won't heed the warning, will be destroyed. Thankfully. I'm so thankful for this. I prayed at the end of last service and I thought, I'm so thankful for this. Thankfully, 
God's Word issues a warning of the coming storm so that we can be prepared. This morning, we are introduced to Lady Wisdom for the first time in the book of Proverbs, and she's the one that's sounding the alarm. She's the one who's sounding the sirens, issuing a severe weather alert, calling us to seek shelter now before it is too late. The question is not whether or not we heard the sirens. After today, we will have heard the sirens. The question is, how will we respond? Will we respond through repentance? Or will we ignore the warning and remain in our sins? Will we seek shelter and be safe? Or will we suffer harm because we refused? Those are the questions before us. But let us listen to wisdom's voice, to the Word of God, before we go any further. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Beginning in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O simple ones? How long will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I think the passage is relatively simple. There's a couple of complexities that we'll deal with, but the passage is pretty straightforward. Wisdom is issuing a severe weather warning, and we need to listen to her. We need to seek shelter, and our passage gives us three reasons why we need to heed wisdom's warning. Three reasons why we need to heed 
wisdom's warning. First, we must listen to wisdom because we are on the brink of disaster. Who's on the brink of disaster? Well, all of humanity is on the brink of disaster. Verses 20 to 21, wisdom is crying out. Did you notice where she is making her announcement known? Wisdom cries out in the street, in the market she raises her voice, at the head of the noisy street she cries out, and at the entrance of the city gates she speaks. She is issuing her warning in broad daylight. Broad daylight. She's speaking also to all kinds of people. So this is what I want you to hear today. Her message isn't secret, and it isn't selective. It's not secret, hidden from people to know, and it's not selective or only for a select group of people. It's for all people to hear. The man on the street, who is the man on the street? I take him to be maybe the lower person in the society. What about the person in the marketplace? So she's in the street, then she's in the marketplace. That's the businessman. That's the middle class man or woman that she's speaking to. What about the person at the city gates? The people that sat at the city gates were likely the magistrates or the judges. These are the people with power and influence. For from the streets to the markets to the places of power and influence, she makes her voice known to all of them. Her message is not secret, it's in public, and it is not selective. It is for everyone. And yet, her target audience are what we referred to last week and what our text designates as the simple ones. Look at verse 22. How long... O simple ones, will you, take note of that, love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? I want you to notice something. I may be nerding out a little bit here, but I actually think it's important. In verses 23 to 27, wisdom directly addresses the simple with second person pronouns. The pronoun you. Look, verse 23, if you turn at my reproof. Verse 24, because I have called and you refuse to listen, because you have ignored all my counsel, I will laugh at your calamity. All of these are direct address. She has an audience in mind that she is speaking directly to. You not just principles, but address. The scoffers and the fools are referred to, in verse 22, in the third person. They are in a different category. I'm going to get to that a little bit later. The scoffers, they're dug in. They delight in their scoffing, we're told, in verse 23. They think God's wisdom is stupid. 
All of the things that he says about how to live your life, that's dumb. And Lady Wisdom's warnings, what an overreaction. Come on. It's not really going to get that bad. It's all hot air. The fool, they hate knowledge, we're told. In their mind, they've made up their mind. We see that in verse 22. Notice we also see the same thing in verse 29. They hated knowledge and didn't choose the fear of the Lord. The fools have made their choice. They've chosen to not fear the Lord. They are hardened in their hatred of wisdom. They have no humility and do not want to be taught. The simple are in a different category. They haven't yet made their choice. That's why Lady Wisdom is directing her address to them directly. One way to translate the simple, maybe you could write this in the margin, is simply the uncommitted. The uncommitted. They haven't chosen their path. They could go either way. They haven't made up their mind yet. Generally, the simple are young people. And so, youth and young adults, I said this last week, but if you weren't here last week, let me say it again. You should pay careful attention to what the Proverbs are speaking to you in the same way that you should pay careful attention to what your mother taught you throughout your life. But this is God's Word. And you should pay careful attention. But I want to say this. You don't have to be young to be simple. In fact, I wonder if there are not a number of simple people in this room this morning. Uncommitted. The reason I say that is because in this passage, the simple seem to be old enough to know better. Notice what wisdom says to them in verse 22. How long O simple ones, will you love being simple? They've been uncommitted for a long time. They've been riding the fence for too long. As one writer says, spiritually speaking, they are like overgrown adolescents. They're like the Peter Pans of this world who don't want to grow up. Or if I could put a finer point on it, again, spiritually speaking, they're like the 30-year-old who's still living in their parents' basement playing video games. Lady Wisdom is saying this. How many sermons are you going to have to hear before you make a decision to embrace wisdom? And I guess I would say the same thing to you this morning. How many times do you have to hear the call to embrace Jesus by faith and to follow Him faithfully with undivided devotion? When will you get off the fence? When? Will you get serious 
about following Jesus? Are you still living in your parents' faith? Maybe you moved out a long time ago, but you still really haven't made it your own. You haven't become an atheist, but you really haven't made it your own. You're still living in your parents' faith. Or maybe you're just waiting until you get a little bit older. Waiting until the storm gets a little bit closer before you go to the basement and seek shelter in Jesus. If that's where you're at, my appeal to you this morning is simple. It's time now. Now is the day to take shelter. And this is the reason why that we see in our passage. The uncommitted are not neutral. They are not neutral. They are on a slippery slope that is going in the wrong direction. Notice what verse 22 says again. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? They're not just uncommitted. They're not neutral. They love being uncommitted. They're happy where they're at. They know they need to get out of their complacency and move, but they like it right here. I don't have to identify with the far-gone sinners out in the world, but I also don't really want to fully identify with Christ. I want to just live right here in the uncommitted middle. But they need to move or they're going to fall. You see, you can't say stay committed forever. Eventually, this seems to be the argument of the book of Proverbs, if you don't turn and follow wisdom, you'll end up with the fools. The simple are in the most vulnerable spot of all. Vulnerable for good, to turn to wisdom, but also vulnerable to fall to the way of the fools. They're on the brink of disaster. So they're supposed to be facing wisdom, but they're facing folly and they're right on the edge of falling over the cliff. One more step could be a step to the point of no return. If they don't seek shelter soon, they may go over the cliff. Later in Proverbs, this is where I'm going. The simple, we are told, chapter 14, verse 18, the simple will inherit folly. Wisdom is directly addressing you, the simple. Speaking of them, we learn later that if you don't turn to the way of wisdom, you will become like them. Or at least you will inherit the very same thing that they are going to inherit. The simple will eventually become the fool. The uncommitted will eventually become committed to the way of folly. Those who don't heed the voice of wisdom will eventually be hardened to her voice. Those who love the way of simplicity, uncommitment, will eventually come to hate the way of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. 
That's why wisdom's crying out to the simple. That's why they need to heed her warning. It leads me to the second reason we must listen to wisdom's warning, which is related, and it is this. We must turn and listen now before it's too late. There are two promises in the passage. The first one is in verse 23. The second in verse 33. We'll cover the second promise when we get to our final point. But for now, look at verse 23. If you turn, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. This whole passage is really, why, why do they issue warnings? Because they want you to change your course of behavior. The whole passage is driving to a call to turn. The Hebrew is shuv. It means to repent. To turn around from your present course to the way of wisdom. You see, even though the simple are still uncommitted, they're really facing the wrong direction. Facing the way of the fool. They need to turn and face wisdom in the face. And if they do, the promise is they will receive light. I will give you, I will pour out my spirit upon you and make known the way of wisdom. A great promise. And yet, the main emphasis on this passage is on the warning. Everything in verses 23 to 32 is all warning. Warning us that if we don't turn now, it will eventually be too late. I just want to take a brief aside here and say there's a lesson here for us who are seeking to do evangelism. Lady Wisdom speaking to us today, but we will leave here and we will have the opportunity to speak to others. What do we learn from what she says. I think it is this. When we communicate the gospel, we must always hold out both the promise of life and the warning of death. Both. What do we like to do in our day and age? Only the promise of life. No bad news. No tornado sirens. No warning of death. What is the main emphasis in this passage? It's actually on warning. Sometimes we have to sound the alarm because people's ears are so stopped up they don't see what's at stake. Sometimes, actually, although it's unpopular, we do have to have a message that says, turn or burn. That's the message of this passage. Look at verses 24 to 27. The storm's coming, and if the uncommitted refuse to listen, if they won't heed the warning, if they ignore her counsel, if they won't yield, won't have any of her reproof, then when calamity comes, she will laugh. When terror strikes, she will mock. Look at verse 27. This describes the coming storm. It's described as a terror. When terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, 
What is this terrifying storm that is being referred to here? It could be that it is simply referring to the temporal, natural consequences of living like a fool. We see this kind of thing throughout the proverb. So, for example, when the tornado sirens literally sound, you should seek shelter or you may be harmed. And then if you are harmed and you didn't seek shelter, don't be surprised at that. Or, as we might read in Proverbs 6, if you don't work hard, if you don't wisely manage your finances, you may find yourself bankrupt. Don't be surprised at that calamity. If you sleep around, you will experience emotional calamity. You will experience relational disaster. And you may experience physical disease. In other words, you reap what you sow. Very practical wisdom for daily consequences. The things we do have consequences in our life. If you live like a fool, you'll pay the price. Let me put it this way. If you sin, you will suffer for your sin. Thankfully, we have forgiveness in Jesus, but even with that, when you sin, there are consequences in this life. But I think this passage although all of those things are true, and this passage could be talking about that, I think it's speaking in more ultimate terms. Look at verse 28 to 31. Here Lady Wisdom starts talking about the fools. She's been speaking to the simple, but now she turns to talk about those guys. The fools. The scoffers. The atheists. The people that are giving their life to sex, drugs, and rock and roll instead of to Jesus. Those people. She turns their gaze over to them. And she says this. They hated knowledge and didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. We would say, yeah, that's exactly what they did. But isn't that what the simple are doing by not heeding the warning? And look what happens to the fool and the scoffer in verse 28. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. What does she mean by then? When is then? Then, I am convinced, is judgment day. Throughout their lives, the fools have not listened to the voice of wisdom. And then on the day of judgment, she says, I won't listen to you when you call out to me for help. On that day, it will be too late. You will have reaped what you sowed forever. Look at verse 31. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way. It's not God's fault. They'll eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. But this is what she's doing by referring to them. Everybody could understand what will happen to the fool and the scoffer, but she's saying, if you don't get off the fence, 
the same will be true for you. Look at verse 32. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. The storm of judgment is coming for all, for those that are clearly not fearing the Lord, but even also for those who remain in the covenant community and yet are uncommitted to the Lord. One of the reasons I believe this is referring to the final judgment is in the book of Matthew, Jesus uses this language to speak of the coming judgment and that now is the time to respond. Go read about the ten virgins, for example, in Matthew 25. But I just want to draw your attention to something very familiar to you. How does Jesus begin his ministry in Matthew 4? What are the first words out of his mouth as he starts his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he calls his disciples to him. He begins to teach them in his first sermon, recorded in the book of Matthew as the Sermon on the Mount. Notice the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who cries out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, the one who has listened to the voice. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you see, on the day of judgment, many will call out to the Lord and say, weren't we in church? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you because you never responded to my word. Right after Jesus links, right after all of this, he links what he's just said to wisdom and folly and to a coming storm. Everyone who then hears these words of mine, we're all hearing them right now too, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it was built upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We need to heed wisdom's warning because we are, in fact, on the brink of disaster. The storm of God's final judgment is coming on all. We don't know when, however. The sirens have sounded now, though. We need to take shelter now before it's too late. That's the second reason to listen to wisdom's warning. Third and finally, we need to listen to her warning because she shows us the way to safety. Praise God. 
Most of this passage has been warning, but there's been this promise in verse 22 that I think gets picked up again in verse 33. And she says, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Wisdom's main target has been the simple who are on the brink of disaster, who are uncommitted. She's also, however, referred to the scoffer and the fool. Here, she's indiscriminate and simply says, whoever. Whoever listens to her will dwell secure. They will find shelter that they need from the coming storm. Whoever. And that's where I want to end today. It reminds me of John 3.16, which says in words that you know, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Just a couple of verses down in verse 19, John goes on to say, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. The Gospel is the wisdom of God. It's foolishness to the world, but it's the wisdom of God that God gave His Son to die on the cross for your sins, to pay the price for your sins, so that when the storm of judgment comes, you could be covered. You could be safe from all harm. He is the way to safety. He's the rock on which to stake your life and to be secure. Notice wisdom also says that those who listen to her will be at ease without dread of disaster. In verse 32, I want you to notice a contrast here. She says the complacency of the fool destroys them, but here, whoever listens to her will be at ease without dread of disaster. The complacent are at ease. They are perfectly content right where they're at. The scoffer delights in his scoffing. The fool, he hates knowledge, but he loves his way of foolishness. It's all, friends, about the heart. It's about what you love. At the end of the day, it's about what you love. In John 3, John goes on to tell us this is the judgment. The light had come into the world. So they saw, or to use the language of our passage, they heard, but they loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. So the fool is at ease because he's happy with where he's at. But it's a false sense of ease. When the storm comes, his house won't stand. But the one who listens to the gospel, the one who repents of his sin and believes in Jesus and then follows Jesus, listening to his voice, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, that executive, that homeless person, and everyone in between, they can rest secure, at ease, without dread of disaster. That's the good news of the Gospel. 
Friends, if you've been listening at all this morning, and that's kind of the point of this whole thing, right? You've heard the alarm. You've heard the sirens. Lady Wisdom has issued her severe weather warning that the storm of judgment is coming. We are on the brink of disaster. God's Word is clear on that, like it or not. The question is, what will you do with this warning? And what will you do with this word of good news that security is found in Jesus? Will you repent? Will you turn to Jesus? Cling to Him by faith. And will you do so now? Or are you at ease in your sin? Will you repent now? Or do you just want to wait a little bit longer to commit? When I was in college, I worked for UPS up in Manhattan, Kansas, loading trailers. I don't know if you guys know this, but those brown trucks that drop packages off at your house, they also pick packages up. And then they take them back to the warehouse at the end of the day, back them up, and they unload them on conveyor belts, then go to another belt into trailers. I loaded those trailers so that those packages could get to the hub at Lenexa and then where they needed to go. As a result, I would interact with drivers sometime, and many of the drivers were um, great people. I enjoyed working with them. But there was one, a woman named Debbie, who was just a little rough around the edges. I appreciated her fighting spirit, but she was just a little rough around the edges. One day, we were at work, and the tornado sirens, they sounded. They were screaming. The managers came and got us all off of the line and said, we need to go and seek shelter. Debbie was so put off, and this is what she said. I don't have time for tornadoes. That's always stuck with me. I just think it's, it's like the way that we think about so many things. I don't have time for tornadoes. Well, Debbie, if you don't seek shelter, you may not have any time left on this earth. But as it was, the tornado did not hit Manhattan that day. We were okay. And so Debbie, although obstinate and gotten her pickup and headed to her house, although she arrived safety, safely while all the rest of us were hunkered down in the shelter. But this is the thing. The storm of judgment will come one day. Rest assured. It will come for Debbie. It will come for you. And it will come for me. And when it comes, it will be too late. And so I pray that you will seek shelter today. And one of the reasons for that is because if you wait much longer to commit, you may become committed to folly. If you keep plugging your ears, not heeding the voice of wisdom, you may become hardened to the Gospel. If you continue in your love of your uncommitted life, you may eventually come to hate the fear of the Lord. And I don't want that for you. So would you fly to Jesus? 
today. Let us pray. Father, again, I thank You for Your Word that You've not kept us in the dark, that You are, as one writer said, the God who is not silent. You've issued Your warning, but You've also shown us the way to safety. Thank You. Thank You. But Father, we are hard of hearing. We need Your help. Ultimately, we need Your Spirit to make us alive, to give us the eyes of faith, to give us the will to repent. And so I pray that You would grant that now. We need You to move so that people who are setting at ease in their sin would move to Jesus. We ask you to graciously be kind to us this morning and grant us our requests. In Jesus' name, amen.